0: Up first today, progress on a massive coronavirus relief package has come to a screeching halt. Democrats blocked the legislation from moving forward yesterday during procedural votes, saying that the package puts corporations over regular people. One especially controversial part of the package would send the spiraling airline industry a $50 billion bailout. President Trump says the country would be in trouble if airlines had to declare bankruptcy after bleeding money because of coronavirus, but critics say the airlines have gouged customers and used that money irresponsibly for years, and that the bailout disproportionately benefits corporate executives over the vast majority of airline employees. That's where we want to begin the conversation today, and joining us to talk about this package and the part of it that has to do with airlines is David Shepherdson. He covers aviation, autos, and the business of transportation for Reuters. David Shepherdson welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Good morning, Steve. Thanks.
0: So let's talk about the status of this proposed bailout. Where are we right now with airlines and what they might get out of the federal government? So
1: at this point of the bill that the republicans introduced last night which is still under negotiation as we speak the airlines would get uh, up to 50 billion dollars in government loans they would not get any grants that's been a big sticking point the airlines wanted cash grants to pay for part of the salaries of their employees and they made this last ditch uh, offer on on saturday saying if you give us 29 billion dollars 25 billion in cash or the passenger airlines and four billion for cargo carriers, then we won't lay anybody off through August thirty first. But their argument is this is an unprecedented fall off in demand. I mean, airlines like United are cutting, you know, almost almost all of their international flights. I think ninety percent of their international flights in April, over fifty percent of domestic flights. So these carriers are really, you know, in unprecedented areas. But as you point out, at the top, there's a lot of anger toward the airlines uh, either for you know, all the excessive fees they've charged for bags or, or changing air, uh, tickets and and, and at, in this environment, Congress is very worried about about being portrayed as being too too friendly to the to the corporations and, and to the airlines and not to the employees. So you've seen a lot of aviation unions say we need more protections for employees, including if any of these airlines filed for bankruptcy, would they be able to discharge their collective bargaining agreements as they can currently. So, the Democrats are right now trying to add more uh, p- protections for workers in this agreement, also sort of broader changes about this bigger five hundred billion dollar fund to, that will provide loans you know, fifty billion for airlines and four hundred and fifty billion for other for other industries. and And that's really a key question here: is how much how much will the administration be able to control this fund?
0: And and talk about what airlines have been up to for the last decade. I've read a number of pieces that talk about their corporate behavior, the way that they have taken some of the money that they've been making over the last 10 years as everybody who came out of the recession has been doing a, a little better corporate wise and, and their bottom lines have been fatter. Some, some critics are saying what they did with those profits is part of the reason that they oppose bailouts now. Tell us Tell us what that yeah. is about.
1: No, and that part is absolutely true. You can certainly argue about, you know, how much they should or should not have used, but they spent tens of billions of dollars collectively buying back their own stock. I mean, just in the case of American Airlines, the largest carrier between 2014 and 2020, they spent more than $15 billion buying back their own stock. And, and, and you hear this argument over and over again that the airline should have kept more cash on their balance sheet to prepare for, you know, a more significant downturn. Now, obviously, this is a, a once in a, you know, you hope once in a lifetime event, uh, but still that there's a lot of anger out there between the buybacks and the dividends and using all that cash uh, rather than sort of to ensure the long term solvency of the business. I mean, there was a memorable quote from American Airlines CEO Doug Parker back in 2017 when he said, I don't think we're ever going to lose money again. Basically, it was no matter what the economic circumstances were, the airlines were all you know, always going to be profitable, in part because after 9-11, there were a lot of bankruptcies, the contracts were restructured, so they were, the airlines became far more profitable even at lower traffic levels, not, not this cataclysmic decline. But, no, I, I think the question is going to be, well, what will the airlines have to do? Will they, there, are, there have been some calls that maybe they should have to adopt some more consumer-friendly protections, you know, reduce some of the fees, the airlines have been resistant to that, uh, and so it's, it really is up to Congress now. Will they will they demand either more on the labor side or more on the consumer side as part of this uh, fifty billion dollar loan package?
0: Hmm. So let's talk about what would happen to the airlines if they didn't get help. I also read a piece that said. Rather than declaring bankruptcy, it would maybe just require them to renegotiate the terms of the debt that they have. That because they did so well over the last decade, they really aren't in as precarious a situation as they might be portraying. What, what would the chances be that the airlines that we all know and recognize would, would have to go away, perhaps, if, uh, if we didn't make sure that uh, Congress gives them this bailout?
1: Well I guess the, the key question there is how long is this crisis going to last? I do think there is a little bit of a parallel here between you know two thousand and eight with the auto companies when they were asking for a bailout there was a, there was a question then about how much cash did the did the auto companies have how long could they actually survive and, and I think that is definitely an open question here we don't we know several airlines this week have borrowed more money uh, and, but and to try to have more cash on hand, but we don't, we don't yet have a, to your question, a precise sense of what is the moment where the airlines run out of money. You know, there are some analysts who think it could happen in June or July. Uh, but look, I think, I do think long-term, something is going to have to be done because it's, it's going to be harder for the company, the airlines to raise money. And if, it's, if the crisis goes on, you know, for, for four to five, six months, you know, you could see airlines going to business. And certainly, the first step would be to try to to renegotiate the terms of their of their debt. The Potentially, there could be mergers and so on. But there are some carriers that are in, are more in more precarious state than others. Others have have more cash on hand. And again, the broader question is when will travel demand come back? Will, you know, will people just snap back to traveling the way they did once once the immediate crisis? Ends, or is this going to result in a longer-term shift? Um, some of the airlines think it could be two to three years before people's travel habits return to to where they are. So, I, I think you know there there is a sense that some of the airlines would not survive depending how long it went. But but there certainly would be other options, albeit painful, for some of the, the airlines, uh, especially the winter in a
2: shorter period.
0: This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson and my guest is David Shepperson. He covers aviation, autos and the business of transportation for Reuters. We're talking about the proposed bailouts for airlines that are part of the massive coronavirus relief packages that are trying to move through Congress right now, uh, give us a call and tell us, do you think Congress should give the airline industry a bailout so that they avoid going bankrupt? Are you worried about what would happen if we let the airlines go? Or do you think they should face these kinds of consequences for bad financial decisions over the last few years? Or do you think that they're just part of the carnage that we are seeing across the economy for all kinds of businesses in all kinds of types of industries, and that they ought to fare for themselves just the way everybody else is. In a little bit, we are going to talk a little more about another part of this package, the income package, the idea of distributing some money to Americans to help them get through this pandemic and all of the economic slowdown that it's causing, we're going to want to hear from you during that segment as well. What do you think about this idea of the bailouts in general and specifically uh, bailouts to individuals, which brings us into the discussion of this idea of universal basic income, which was floated during the Democratic presidential primaries this year and is something that a lot of people are talking about. Uh, but right now, we want to hear from you about the airlines in particular. What do you think should happen with uh, American and United and, uh, of course, uh, Delta, which is uh, our major airline here in in Detroit? Uh, they're all in a little trouble because of the market Decrease in travel. Uh, should they get bailouts from the federal government? As always, the number on the phones is three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Um, what about the idea of nationalizing air travel in this country, David. In, in, in other countries, in Europe in particular, in Asia, there are national airlines that rely on a good amount of federal subsidy and maybe that inures them from some of the, the market sort of volatility uh, in that industry. Is that something that anyone is, is talking or thinking about?
1: You know, at this point, I don't think so. Only because the airlines are really focused on, you know, trying to get this this package through through Congress. I mean, these are companies, as you pointed out, are have been very profitable and, and make a lot of money, and they've been able to pay out a lot of money and in, in dividends and buybacks. And look, I I do think that if if this crisis is relatively short lived, uh, you know, three to six months, you know, nine months it will be very, very painful, but the airlines or the the industry will survive as a whole, but that won't, that doesn't mean there won't be tons of of people that are also hurt. Uh, Remember, you know, kind of like autos a little bit, there are so many ancillary jobs. Of course, it's not just the, you know, people who work directly for the airline, right? It's The people who, you know, work as the cleaners or security officers at the airports or the customer service agents, the gate agents. I mean, there are so many people that work in the, the aviation, uh, you know, ecosystem. Not to mention all the people who build the airplanes and the seventeen thousand suppliers for, for Boeing and, and for Airbus that builds planes here too. So there's a you know, like autos because it has such a big chunk of the economy. There's such a big incentive for the government to ensure that the sector doesn't fall apart, and the fact that people need to get around or to go to where they are. But but I do think the industry that emerges from this could be be much smaller. It could be different. Could have fewer flights because it's been so profitable. These airlines have added, you know, have spent billions of dollars on, you know, redoing facilities and adding new you know, lounges or you know, frequent flyers. Uh, so I think that sort of those high flying days, of, you know, spending days and adding more routes, you know, are, g- are going to be gone for a while. And the airlines are going to have to focus on, you know. You know, the, the profitable routes, and, and the other question is, will all the low-cost carriers survive? Right, some of those carriers are a lot closer to the edge potentially, and we certainly could see some mergers, or or, or maybe not all the the littler carriers be able to survive this because they just don't have as much liquidity as the bigger guys do. Mm.
0: Again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. That's three one three five seven seven. One o one nine. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter and put comments there, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Scott in Milford. Scott, what's on your mind?
2: Hey, good morning, Stephen. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I think for me, and and I'm I'm a pretty conservative person, but um, I think a lot of people don't remember that right before 9-11 happened, there was tons of talk about a passenger bill of rights um for airlines if you remember there were mm-hmm. a whole bunch of different incidents where um people were being left on tarmacs for many many hours at a time and that's happened since too but um i think in my opinion is before they should get any money or attached to that money should be some sort of passenger bill of rights for us um i think that's only fair they've proven you know in the many years since nine eleven that uh, profits are more important than than passengers, and we need something to, you know, mitigate that or take that power away from them. You know, minimum seat distance, um, mm. uh, uh, you know, baggage fees, so on and so forth.
0: Sure, so uh, that, Scott, that's uh, what I think. Scott, I really appreciate you bringing that up because that's something I <clears throat> kind of forgot. That w- was something that was discussed a lot. After, after 9-11, and is, is something that I hear a lot of people express frustration about, not necessarily the Passenger Bill of Rights, but some of the issues that you bring up that would maybe be part of that, uh, this issue of, of baggage fees and, and the other inconveniences that we have with, with air travel. David Shepherdson, is there any discussion in Congress about extracting more for consumers out of the airlines if they were to get this help From the federal government
1: there absolutely is there have been a number of of senators uh who have called for protections and you know what's interesting is i i think back to so september of 2018 so basically a year and a half ago there was a, a debate to reauthorize the federal aviation administration every four or five years various federal agencies get reauthorized and that's a time when congress debates reforms and one of these reforms that have been added by the Senate was to require airlines to only charge reasonable and proportional baggage and change fees. Meaning, the airline would have to explain how how that hundred dollar or fifty dollar whatever fee was did it have an actual relationship to the cost the airline was incurring? Not you know not just a, a way for the airline to make to make money. Well, well, the CEOs all of the airlines <laughs> furiously lobbied against it. You know they you know called members and. They really, really pushed. At the end of the day, that was dropped from the bill, as well as uh, you know, some sort of tougher provisions to require minimum, you know, minimum legroom and width of seats. So they they did. Congress did require the FAA to do a study to basically, and which is still ongoing, to determine whether seats should, you know, what should the minimum be. But Congress didn't set it itself. And and this all came. Remember, it seems like a million years ago now, but remember and. Remember a few years ago when the doctor was dragged off a plane uh, at, at O'Hare after they refused to give the seat to make room for a crew member, and this basically just sparked this whole conversation about airlines and were they properly treating passengers? And but ultimately, Congress did not require very much in part because the airlines are, are very powerful. They have a lot of allies in Congress. They they employ a lot of people in every district, and so you know there are there is a lot of anger. Toward airlines and we're in an election year and i do think if if congress gives the airlines a lot of money it could be a political issue if people if, if the if their opponents say you know did your did your tickets prices go down Did they give they cut you a break when you had to change your uh your t- your ticket uh but i think it depends there's not a lot of time left that's the one issue here is right they want to get this bill done soon and with a short with a short time frame it's hard to it's hard to negotiate something as as politically challenging as as consumer protections, I think on this mm. bill,
0: mm. Uh, Scott. I really appreciate the call and the comments and and the perspective there. Uh, that was a very um, that was a very important dimension to inject into the conversation. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about another aspect of the proposed stimulus package: the plan to send out checks to every American. Derek Thompson from The Atlantic. Will join me next, David Shepherdson. As always, great to have you here with us and we hope you are taking care of you and yours during this pandemic. We'll be right back with more Detroit today.